In a noisy, stressful world, quiet is the most valuable commodity. And the cabin of every Lincoln vehicle is designed with this principle in mind. Should you desire a little more melody, our available Revel Audio system will not disappoint. The very same engineering that makes for a whisper-quiet interior provides a studio-like setting in which to rock out to your music, finding harmony all around you. That's the power of sanctuary. And that's Lincoln. Revel and the Revel logo are trademarks of Harman International Industries, registered in the United States and other countries. Welcome to Pursuing Justice on Society Bites Radio. I wanted to welcome our listeners to a series of podcasts that we are doing on the impact of prison on children, something that is rarely discussed. Um, I certainly have been talking a great deal about wrongful conviction. Uh, and the impact of that on a family. But this is kind of another path. And we have uh, had invited Amy Friedman uh, to join us and give us her perspective. And we've asked her to return to talk more about what she did um, with this challenge uh, in her life and in the lives of so many people, uh, particularly the children. So uh, what Amy did, um, she began to tell us a little bit about it last time, is she created a club, an after-school club, on the high school level only in California at Venice High School. And that club um, was founded in 2013. And it has really reached so many children, so many young people, I should say, and she is going to tell us a whole lot more about Pops the Club. So welcome back, Amy. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me back. All right. So where did we leave off? You you began to tell us um, how come you created the club, so we, we know that, and it was started in 2013, um, and you modeled it after the um, LB, I always get that wrong, uh, LGBT. LGBT. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and what a what a great model that was. A safe space for young people um, in that in that group to be together and to uh, know that they can talk to one another. They each understand one another. So that's that's a tremendous advantage. Why why pops the club? Uh, you know that you you founded. Why, why have a club? So, well, let me, let me just take a couple steps backwards and say it, sure. it is an, it is a, not an after school program. It's a lunchtime oh. program. Oh. And, and it's important to say that because the reason, the reason it's a lunchtime program is because we wanted it to be something that every kid had access to who was impacted. And there's so many kids who, 
either play sports or have after school mm-hmm. jobs or have long trips home or, you know, any number of reasons where they can't participate in an after school program. And also we serve lunch um, oh. and that's that excuse, mm-hmm. right? You can come have a good lunch. Um, so why a club is because I, I think for teenagers, especially, I mean, one of the things that I, that I knew about my own daughters was I knew there were other kids in their school who were similarly impacted. I knew there were other kids who had loved ones who were in prison, but they didn't know that. And I think that that partly what I wanted kids to know was that they weren't alone, that they weren't the only ones. And so the the idea was let's just make this be a safe space there there was no real agenda beyond providing a safe space and providing an opportunity to to see that there were other kids who were impacted um and which which does take me to my favorite story about the very first meeting the very first day you know this was before i knew anything about how to run an organization. I, you have to remember that I'd spent most of my life as a writer in a room by myself. Um, so um, I, um, we, we, we launched this without knowing very much. It was my husband was the club sponsor. Every school, um, almost every school in the country requires that a club have a, a, a school-based sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, a teacher or a counselor or an administrator. And I was the volunteer and we were making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in those days, he and I. Um, and so we bring in our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and brownies and lemonade, I think. And um, the very first day, the first kid who walked in the room was a 10th grader and she came in and she took her peanut butter and jelly sandwich and she sat down, and about a minute later, the second kid walked in the room, another 10th mm. grade girl, and they looked at each other across the room. We, we saw this. We watched this look transpire. <laughs> Stunned. They later told us, a few minutes later, that they had been friends since they were in kindergarten. They had been the kind of friends who went to each other's homes and told each other secrets about each other's boyfriends and all that kind of thing. The one secret they had never shared with each other was that both of them had fathers who were in prison. One since she was three years old and the other since she was five years old. And that was the secret they had never shared. Um, And there are all kinds of reasons people don't share that secret. But um, when they realized this, they, you know, I, in my memory, it's one of those slow motion beautiful (laughs) images of them running into each other's arms. And at that moment, when I saw that, I said, okay, I'm going to apply for 501c3 status for nonprofit status and bring this program to every school in the country. I had no idea what I was talking about. (laughs) That was the goal. That remains the goal. We are now in um, four states in 14 schools with Mm strategic growth plans um but um and that group that first group within 
I would say two or three weeks of the existence of that club. We had 25 kids coming every week. Uh, it was so moving and powerful and inspiring. Um, it, it helped us to evolve what the program has become, which has a bit of a curriculum. It's pretty, it's a pretty loose curriculum, but we do, um, we do art and we do writing and we have guest speakers and we do mindfulness. Um, so we have a curriculum and we have a training program for volunteers who run the clubs and a training program for the club sponsors. Um, but the kids themselves gave us the name. We asked them, oh, I, I said, I'm applying for nonprofit status. We need a name. And they came up with pops because they wanted pain of the prison system is what pop stands for. And they wanted pain inside the story of what the organization is because it grows out of pain, but they wanted it to feel like the meetings themselves felt, which was fun and kind of, you know, pops. It's just right. like happy sounding. Yes. So that's how the name was born. Well, I, I would like to know, when you started the first club, how did word get out as to what it was? Right. So it's a great question, and, it's, and it continues to be the way we spread the word. So as I said, every club has a club sponsor. So Dennis was the club sponsor, and what he did, the way we got the word out was we, we chose the date and time that we were going to have our first meeting and that we would, they meet weekly. So this was going to meet every Wednesday at I think lunch at that time was one o'clock. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so he started telling his classes and he also engaged some of his fellow teachers who were kind of like-minded teachers um, to help with this. He would say to classes, Hey, we're starting a new club at the school. It's for anyone whose life has been impacted by incarceration or detention. And there's food. Oh. If that speaks to you, this is when it is and where it is. Okay. So it was very casual. Um, you know, it wasn't like, oh, this is such a hard thing. You know, there was just casual. If this, if this speaks to you at all, here's where you can find us. And basically that's that's how it starts at every school um usually they start reasonably small and because it's high school how does word spread is word word of mouth yeah um, of course but i was wondering about the very beginning how it was sold and uh, i i hear what you're saying but the word yeah, of mouth it's, it's pretty much sold with food <laughs> <laughs> that's great um, now, the um, wonderful uh, outgrowth of the club, um, and I wanted you to tell us exactly where they are, the rest of the clubs, mm -hmm. but I wanted mm -hmm. you to talk about the anthology, but where where are the clubs right now in this country? So we right now have eight in Los Angeles with, depending on what happens with COVID-19, there are three new clubs supposed to launch in the fall, we'll see if we're in school in the fall. Um, there are five in the Atlanta area. Um, we're in partnership in Atlanta with the um, communities and schools there. 
Um, and there's one in New York City in the Bronx, and there's one in Har- just outside of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Um, and with with many many um, partnerships developing around the country, so plans to grow, but of course growth depends upon funding growth and you know strategy and so on. So, um, but there there are plans. <laughs> There's a lot of other cities that we're in conversation with, including Portland, Oregon, and Providence, Rhode Island, um, Miami, Florida, mm-hmm. Buffalo, New York. Is it ex- um, expensive to launch a club in a high school? Well, it's it's reasonably inexpensive. Um, you know, there. The, um, by that I mean it costs about thirty thousand dollars a year, an academic year for a club, and and that includes everything. So I, I will talk about the publishing piece. Mm-hmm. Um, it includes training, it includes oversight, it, it includes food, it includes um, um, follow-up training, it includes surveying and all kinds of supports. Um, and so per kid, I mean, we, we, you know, this is one of those numbers that changes all the time because the clubs grow all the time, but it's pretty much like $120 a year per kid. No, it's not um, much. Which is nothing really um yeah um so um but that that you know i'm i'm that's kind of general general numbers and um it's it's um the the challenge for for us right now is strategy like what do they look like out of state so as i said we partner in atlanta so what we do is we train and oversee our partner and then they do the outreach to the schools oh. and um, the connecting with the school personnel and so on. Um, in New York and in, in Pennsylvania, we do everything, which is not a sustainable model because we have a tiny little staff. Um, so we're looking for partners in various places so that um, there, are, there are organizations and groups that can help to implement the program. Um, is it is it difficult to sell the idea of a club like this? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, not really. We have more requests than we're able to um, meet right now. I will say that there have been schools that have rejected the program, um, usually by saying either we don't have those children, which yeah. is never true. Of course not. Um, or by saying um, we don't want to target that population, which is usually like we don't want to do the work. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty not hard sell. The, the best way we've, we've started, it's been a little serendipitous how we started at various places. Usually it's either a teacher or someone in the district in in the school on the school board or a student um or a counselor comes to us and says i want this in the school and um when a student comes is it's like easy easy sell (laughs) like i usually say to to kids who come to me well let's double team your principal 
And, you know, I go to the principal and that kid goes to the principal and it's easy to say no to me. It's not as easy to say no to the kid. Um, I was just going to ask you, why, why is it so much easier? Uh, that's very interesting if a, a student approaches a principal. Just as an aside, a number of years ago, when we uh, began talking about this whole concept, you and I, um, I tried very hard to approach five principals right, right. here in Sarasota, Florida, um, right. and I got nothing, nothing, right. nothing. And I right. was mentoring two students through a wonderful organization here in Sarasota called Take Stock in Children, um, which gives uh, graduates of the program four years of college free of charge as long as they stay right. with their mentor the whole way. And right. I had two students, both of them had a parent in prison. So that's, mm -hmm. that's two out of two. Mm -hmm. There you are. And I right. was very, very disappointed that the principals didn't uh, respond. But It is can't. disappointing, yeah. yeah. I, I would say partly in the last, five years, um, there's been a little bit more um, attention paid in just in the media to mm -hmm. the fact that there are all these millions of kids who are impacted in this way. So there's a little more understanding awareness. in the community awareness. Mm -hmm. Our program itself has had some, you know, a little, a little buzz and we've been going for seven years. So we have some research to back up our claims. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's easier. It's not easy. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a matter of educating people about the need. Um, the reason I think a, a, a kid makes such a difference is if a kid goes to ask for something, you, you, you know, the, the principal will see, Oh, this is something this, this child needs and wants. And, Hmm, let's look at the data. Do we have more of these kids? You know, they don't always have that data. Um, to be honest with you, that that you know, it's sort of like, do you ask that question? Um, do you ask the question of, is there an incarcerated family member in this family, on the forms? I would say, mm -hmm. if you don't have a program for them, don't ask the question. Because mm -hmm. um, what are you going to do for them? But um, if you do have a program, then by all means, ask the question and provide the service. Yeah. Um, it doesn't cost the schools anything. Oh, it doesn't? Either. It's, we've, we've funded this thus far entirely by fundraising and foundation support. Grants. Um, grants, So that, yeah. that's a great selling point, right? It's, it's not, a great selling point. Yeah, it's not going to cost you anything. <laughs> um, yeah, and and to talk about the publishing piece, so mm -hmm. because I'm because I'm a writer, and because I I, you know, that's kind of how I can process things, and my husband's also a writer, so he and I, very early on, decided we wanted to offer opportunities for the kids not only to write but to publish, so we came up with the idea of publishing a book each year of the work that's created by the students in, um, in the clubs. And we have just published, um, well, I just sent to the proofreader number seven, um, mm -hmm. and they're beautiful and powerful and amazing. And 
you know, they're beloved by other teens um, because they're so honest and, and raw and powerful and, you know, tell the stories that kids want to hear because they're, they're each other's stories um, and also contain amazing artwork created by the kids. Beautiful artwork. Um, Stunning. And and in fact, um, we just had a meeting just the other day, there's going to be a show, an art show at the governor's mansion in Pennsylvania of pop students' artwork sometime mm-hmm. in the coming year or so. Um, the governor's wife in Pennsylvania is an, is an artist herself and loves art and was introduced to the work we're doing and, and um, is talking about doing, doing a show. Um, the other reason for wanting to do the publishing program is that it's my strong feeling and one of the reasons I'm so happy to be doing this podcast that it's important for people to hear what these kids have to say, Absolutely. that they have knowledge and understanding and experience that everyone needs to hear about um, of what mass incarceration does to people. Um, not just to those who've committed the crimes, but the people who are serving what Annie Casey Foundation calls a shared sentence, which is what you do when you love someone in prison, right. is share their sentence. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And they can say it better than anyone can. Um, of course. And so I think of these books as education tools um, and you know, they're empowering. It's empowering for a kid to see themselves in print. Oh, in print. Oh, um, sure. Very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so that's yeah. a really important piece of the program to me. And in terms of selling it, you know, it's also a, a selling piece because when they see what gets produced, it's a real thing with some tangible and meaningful um, power behind it. How, how can you... Um make people more aware of this beautiful anthology you had sent me the most recent ones the last two how how uh, people probably don't know about this and maybe if people more people don't did, know. <laughs> yeah. yeah how do you how do so, you get the word out well i tell you what we are working on that we have just partnered with um we we, have, we now have a publishing company called out of the woods press um, and there actually is a website, um, I w- both the publishing company website and our website, the books are, there are links to where you can buy them on, okay. on the website. Um, out of the Woods Press is outofthewoodspress.com. Um, and that, that is, so far, nothing's there other than just a discussion about what's coming, but it's coming. Okay. Um, popsclubs.org is okay. our organizational website. And there's a um, drop-down menu called from stories and also from books. And you can click on either of those and go to, um, to the pages where you can read about the books and see excerpts of the books and buy the books. Oh, wonderful. That's great. Now, speaking of books, um, you wrote a memoir uh, when, I forgot when that came out, called Desperado's Desperado's (laughs) Wife. 
Um, and we don't have a great deal of time left. We have maybe uh, four minutes. Um, do you want to tell us just a little about Desperado's Wife? Yeah, well, the piece I read um, to you earlier um, from from the Modern Love podcast is a section of that book. It's the story of my marriage to my ex-husband. It's the it's a it's a it's a romance. It's it's a little sad. It ended sadly, but it's um, I think kind of beautiful and I think important because it. It's a lot. The girls, my daughters, are important characters in it, and and uh, it tells it. Most people, when they read it, say they fall in love with the girls, which makes me happy. Um, maybe not so much fall in love with me, but that's okay. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I I think it's kind of it's kind of the birth of pops in a way. Um, mm-hmm. I've been I've been really focused for the last seven plus years on pops, but I'm still a writer and that's still um, an important way for me to convey things to people. Um, and it's available on Amazon. Um, oh. It's both uh, soft cover and um, did, there's an ebook version. Oh, and um, yeah. And it's called Desperado's Wife and right. easy yeah, to get. Thank you. Little plug. plug. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, this has been so enlightening for anyone who is going through um, the impact of what what it must be like to have a loved one uh, in in prison. And I think you've given us a wonderful start in terms of the perspective. But I want our listening audience to know that for the next podcast, I will be speaking to John Rodriguez, who is a talented writer, a student and an activist, and a member of the Pops Club Board of Directors. He was a juvenile offender himself, and he understands how important it is to listen to our youth. So please join me for that. And uh, we have a, a whole series of these podcasts with people um, who have been impacted by prison and, you know, with their, their family members. Um, Any ideas, comments, questions, please write to me at pursuing.justice5 at gmail.com. And I want to thank Amy Friedman for spending time with us today uh, and last week on our podcast giving us her her view of um, uh, children and what happens with them when they're dealing with a, a loved one inside. And I think uh, Pops the Club uh, is a wonderful, wonderful creation of Amy's and her husband, Dennis. So I want to thank you for that and for your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank and- you, Harriet. It was a pleasure. Oh, thank you. We we hope you listeners will come back and listen to some of the children's voices. We will have that in a few weeks' time, the children of Pops. So thank you very much for spending time with us uh, in your day, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.